You are listening to She the Change, a podcast that inspires future change makers to start taking action because everyone has the power to change the world. My name is Itasha Donthi, and I'm a change maker best known for being the CEO and founder of a charity called Hope and Joy for Children. And I'm sitting down with female leaders who are advocating, empowering, and initiating change on a local and global scale. Here we talk about how they got started, their inspiration, and most importantly, how others can make an impact. Today, I had the amazing opportunity to speak with Unity Gupta, the founder and lead organizer of TEDx Youth at Berwyn. TEDx Youth at Berwyn is one of the first licensed TEDx organizations in Chester County. Through TEDx Youth at Berwyn, she has been putting together conferences to inspire youth around the country to be leaders of change and innovation in local and global issues. She is especially passionate about getting more females involved in STEM and entrepreneurship. Unity is working to use TEDx as a platform to provide opportunities for women to find mentors, meet peers, and develop world-changing ideas. During our conversation, Unity discussed how she became the lead organizer of TEDx Youth at Berwyn, how she was able to find her voice to speak up about topics she is passionate about, and how she has been able to amplify other young people's voices. It was a pleasure speaking with Unity and learning about her perspective. With that being said, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Unity. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So let's get right into it. Can you give the audience a little background about yourself first? Yeah, so my name is Unity Gupta. I am the founder of TEDx Youth at Berwyn. I'm a rising junior at Conestoga High School right now, and I'm super passionate about STEM, entrepreneurship. I'm really interested in economics and finance currently. Um, and then being the founder of TEDx Youth at Berwyn, which is a licensed TEDx event in Berwyn, PA, I'm also super passionate about just really helping women in STEM and women in entrepreneurship kind of grow their opportunities. And I'm really working to just hopefully open doors for young females and just young people around the world to kind of chase their dreams as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So you mentioned that um, you currently live in Pennsylvania, but before that you lived in Indiana. How has moving from Indiana to Pennsylvania shaped who you are today? Yeah, for sure. It's been a long journey there and I'm definitely still in the process of even two years later, kind of figuring out who I am in a new place. Um, But I grew up in Indiana for about 14 years of my life, like right in the middle of cornfields. And it was (laughs) a really interesting experience because I was in the Midwest and there, there's just, there's not as many opportunities as there are on the East Coast. So I grew up very immersed in like sports and academics. And I grew up playing basketball. And because that's what everyone did there was play sports. I really thought that I wanted to grow up to be like a professional basketball player. I wanted to play basketball in college. And that was honestly, I think, because there was just nothing else for me there. I wasn't exposed to anything else. Mm -hmm. And so one day, literally like three weeks before we were supposed to move, my dad was like, all right, my job's moved. We're packing up and leaving. So in two weeks, we like packed up our whole house from everything I had from when I was born. And we just kind of took off in a van and put as much as we could in a van And Mm -hmm. came and started like living in a hotel from here because we really didn't know what we were doing. But that journey itself, I think, not only brought me so much closer to my family because of it, because we were all in this 
new situation and literally living out of our car. But it also just brought me so many new opportunities because as I moved here, I saw there were so many more things that people did besides like sports and besides school. People were into entrepreneurship. People were starting nonprofits. People Mm -hmm. were doing things in arts and music. And it really opened my eye and kind of made me realize that I don't want to be in sports my whole life. I don't want to be doing just these few things, but I'm really, really interested in entrepreneurship and I'm interested in female empowerment and all these things. So I think moving was honestly the leap that I needed to figure out who I was and to really figure out that, you know, I'm more than what I have been surrounded by my whole life. And yeah, I think it was just amazing that although in the moment I was so mad that we were packing up in two weeks and leaving, I think it's really been amazing because I was, I've been able to see that your opportunities grow so much based on the people you surround yourself with and based on the place you live. Yeah, I completely stand by that. I live on the East Coast as well. I live in New Jersey and I completely agree. There have been so many new opportunities opened up for me and I've been exposed to various fields where if I lived somewhere else, I'm sure I wouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like a supportive community and a community Uh, where everyone is doing something that they love is so inspiring to be a part of. And I love that you were able to experience that too. Yeah, it's really been amazing. I think what you say is completely true that just having a community of people that are all going after their own dreams, I think really Mm -hmm. inspires you and pushes you to be like, all right, what am I going to do? Like, what's my dream? And how am I going to chase after that? Yeah, I think that question is so daunting, though. Like, what do you want to be? But I think experiences that we are given and I'm so privileged with the opportunities that we are provided with that we really can explore what it is we want to do. For sure. I think I've had the amazing privilege of having like a family and having a community that are so open to what I want to do and so supportive. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but just being in a place that you can have the resources to do that as well. Like not only do you have the support, but you have people that can be mentors, you know, you have the resources to do that. And that's such an Mm -hmm. amazing platform for you to kind of build your own identity off of yeah and I think it's so commendable going off of that how like you're using this platform TEDx to amplify those voices who have been suppressed or those who haven't had the opportunity to speak up for themselves and give them this platform to really advocate um, on the causes that they believe in yeah for sure I think it's so important what really drew me to TEDx was just kind of The fact that it's not one thing, like it's a platform Mm -hmm. where you can really say anything. So no matter what you're interested in or what you want to do in life, like it's a platform where you can find people who are experts in the field. You can find people to give you motivation. And it's such an amazing landing point for people that really want to be something greater than what they are today, but don't really know how to take that first step. So that's really why I love TEDx so much. And just, I love the fact that it's so open, it's so inviting it really allows anyone to be a part of it. That's amazing. So I wanted to also ask you who your inspirations growing up were. And are they the same people you look up to today? Yeah. So I think my family has always been some of my biggest role models. I always look up to their work ethic and to their ideas. And right now, Michelle Obama is definitely my biggest inspiration. I think in general, it's amazing to see someone who's such a strong, independent female who knows what issues she's going to fight for and knows the stand she's going to take. And that's been such an inspiration to myself and finding my own voice and letting me just kind of realize that I have a voice as well. And no matter what stage you're on, whether you're living in the White House at some point or whether you're just in your own home, that you can 
create change. And I think she's such a good example of someone who has risen up um, from almost Mm -hmm. nothing and kind of found her voice along the way. For sure. I was looking at this tweet the other day and it said from Michelle Obama, I decided that I wasn't bossy. I was confident and strong. I wasn't loud. I was a young woman with something important to say. And I think that completely resonates with your message and it resonates with so many girls, including myself, that we as women are so powerful and our voices shouldn't be suppressed to the outside world. And what we have to say is important. I know. That's such a great tweet. I think that really just encompasses what she stands for and that encompasses the impact she's able to make on other girls and kind of allow them to see that for themselves. Yeah, for sure. So what were you like as a child and how has that shaped your experiences with TEDx and engaging with TEDx? Yeah, for sure. So I was a really, really shy kid. Um, Mm, I honestly didn't talk to anyone growing up unless I was forced to talk to someone. And so like, I always like distinctly remember hiding behind my mom's like leg and just not really being terrified, like honestly, like terrified to my bone of talking to anyone. And it has been such a journey from there to now from coming from there to speaking on TEDx stages. And Mm -hmm. I think that journey kind of started three years ago when I was able through honest, actually my teachers at school who really saw something in me and were sort of pushing me to talk more and pushing me to give more presentations, even if I didn't want to. And I started to kind of take off that shell and take off that wall that I'd put up of just not talking to anyone. And through that, I really started to find my own voice that I was talking about a little bit before. Mm -hmm. And just being able to say that, oh, people aren't going to judge me based upon what I say if I'm confident in what I'm going to say. And if I really have a strong idea of who I am as a person. And so that honestly, I think it's really inspiring to see going back to my own journey that, okay, I went from this really shy child to being able to create this TEDx journey. And that's given me so much confidence in myself that I have the potential to grow and that I have Mm -hmm. the potential to do more as well. That's amazing. I think it's kind of funny that you went from a shy person and now you're speaking on a huge stage, uh, giving speeches to inspire others. And yeah, going into that, what was your experience like giving a speech at TEDx Stoga? Yeah, so my experiences were really amazing experiences. Um, I started out at TEDx Stoga really because I didn't have anywhere else to go. It was the beginning of my freshman year. And Mm -hmm. I saw a poster on my school's wall for a club called TEDx Stoga. I was like, okay, why not? Like, I really hadn't found my place yet at school. I didn't have any clubs I wanted to join. And I was kind of lost because we had really just moved from Indiana and I didn't have anyone around me. Right. So I, that's how I kind of started out at TEDxToga, just seeing a poster, honestly, and like, all right, let's go for it. You know, you can't, you can't really get anywhere unless you take that first leap and decide I need to get outside my comfort zone. And so mm-hmm. that's how I really got into it. And from there, it was just an amazing experience to be able to go from entering it to building my talk to then delivering that talk on the stage. Yeah. So how did you gain the public speaking confidence to get up on that stage as someone who was previously very shy and reserved? Yeah, for sure. So that confidence took a long time to come. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm still in the process of finding how to really get that confidence in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But honestly, it just came from like taking the leap. There was nothing I could, I think people always assume that there's this process you can go through to get your public speaking ability and there's so many steps you can take but in reality it's just practice like you have to be in the moment kind of block everything out and be like all right I'm gonna do this 
I'm nervous, I'm shaking, yes, but I'm going to get up there and do it. And so it really just happened for me telling myself that this was something I had to do mm-hmm. and kind of creating that mindset that I was going to do it. And from there, it was honestly just about getting up on the stage and doing it. And I realized that I was so nervous and scared to go up. But once I got up there, I, I came to the, I kind of became calm in the sense that, okay, I'm prepared, I'm ready. And you kind mm-hmm. of get in your own space as you go up there and speak. And that's what's been so amazing for me about TEDx is that once you get up on the stage, it's almost like no one's there. It's like, you're just, you have this amazing platform to go share your ideas, which is why I think TEDx was such an amazing way to kind of help me along that journey as well, because it's such an open environment and atmosphere but yeah in terms of public speaking it was really just about kind of getting up there and telling myself all right you're gonna do this yeah I think that's something that's so powerful about Gen Z we've been known to speak up on causes that we believe in whether that be climate change or Black Lives Matter whatever it may be we're always there and no matter how nervous we are or scared that the adults will judge us We've always come out on top and pushed for change, which I think is so inspiring. And, you know, for anyone listening, if you're afraid, just go for it. If you make mistakes, who cares? Just give it a try. And your voice is powerful. It matters. And, you know, I think that's what so many people are here to um, tell you. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. That's such an important message to spread. And I think going back to what you said on Gen Z, it's also, Mm -hmm. I think, so amazing to see our generation kind of find their voice along the way as well. I think we as a generation have such a diverse range of topics that we're passionate about, but we Mm -hmm. all kind of come to this central point and we all come to this core value of no matter what we believe in, we want to use our voice to make change. I think it's so amazing that we have this center that we're all connected through, but at the same time, we're we're so diverse in what we want to do and what we want to push for. Definitely. I completely agree with that. So regarding your TEDx Stoga speech, what did you talk about and what was your like what was the premise of your speech? Yeah, so my talk kind of emerged from my whole experience of moving in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked about just the fact that when I moved here and I entered my school for the first time, that I didn't talk to anyone on the first day of school. Like I came in and every class, like the teacher started by telling kids to put their phones away. And every class ended with every kid putting in their headphones and taking out social media. And that first day was just so jarring to me and the fact that I came in ready to meet people and I came in ready to kind of reinvent who I was as a person because I Mm -hmm. ended up taking this moving journey as, okay, you're moving, but how can we see this in a positive light? You know, use this to become a new person, use this to grow yourself. But then I entered a school where everyone was so immersed in technology and their phones. So I used that and gave this talk on social media and how we have all become so just almost addicted to these numbers to how many followers we have how many likes we have and just trying to show people that hey I can click a delete button on my phone and all of those likes are gone and all of those follows are gone you know you can't you can't hit a delete button to your friends you can't hit a delete button to your school to the people in your life so there's really this need for Gen Z to kind of reinvent their priorities in a sense and say hey there are Mm -hmm. real people around us that need help there are people around us that are here to help us grow And those numbers you see on a screen and those photos you see on a screen in the end are so much less meaningful than the experiences you can have physically right in front of you. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that there's some sort of disconnect between Mm -hmm. um, human interaction, I guess, that we have become heavily reliant on our devices. 
And that's not just for Gen Z. I think everyone in general yeah. are now pushing away from people and just and staying on social media and scrolling for hours. Mm-hmm. And I think there are positives, you know, like right now, yes. especially if it weren't for social media, I don't think I would have been aware about Black Lives Matter and all of the information that's going on, all of the um, education that I need to unlearn, you know, especially in mm-hmm. school, like there have been so much, there has been so much that I have assumed. And if it weren't for social media and its power to convey information quickly and effectively, I don't think I would have known about those topics. So I think there are positives as well, um, especially today. But um, I see what you're saying, that disconnect between people. And I I think it's so important to talk about, uh, especially today. Yeah, I think, and you bring up such a good point, which is something I talk about in my speech as well, that Mm -hmm. social media isn't something that we need to discard. Like there are so many positives to it. You can meet so many people. You can learn about so many topics you didn't know about. You can, I think, especially now, kind of figure out where your biases come from. And you can really see, you know, what do I think and what do I, how do I need to change the way I think? And it's so Mm -hmm. important. And it's just so important to make that distinction between is social media helping me right now or is it hurting me? And being able to make that distinction and use it to your advantage, but not let those negative sides of the constant scrolling for hours or the constant looking at how many likes did I get? How many comments did I get? And being able to make that distinction is, I think, how you really succeed in today's virtual world Mm -hmm. and how, especially now with everyone at home, that you can know that you're using social media to its greatest advantage. Yeah, for sure. So going back to what you were talking about, about how you joined a club, TEDx Doga, and they gave you the opportunity to be a guest speaker. So for those who may not have a club at their school, how should they apply to be guest speakers? And what is that guest speaker process like? Yeah, so I think I personally didn't even know enough about the guest speaker process when giving my TEDx Doga talk because it was a club. But after creating Mm -hmm. TEDx Youth at Berwyn and after choosing speakers myself, I've kind of had this, it's kind of really opened my eyes to what it takes to be a guest speaker. And the beauty about TED is that anyone can open up a TEDx organization. And what's really amazing about it is that there are so many chapters around the world and there are so many organizations around you. So I guarantee that no matter where you live, you probably have a TEDx organization around you. Um, And so the first thing is just to be on the lookout for those. Every organization will post speaker applications. Usually everyone is open to finding new people from the community to talk. So really being on the lookout for those applications in the area around you. And then finally, just having something to share. Like that's honestly Mm -hmm. all it takes to be a TEDx speaker is having an idea you're passionate about and having an idea that you're educated on, that you have just a really strong passion to share and if you're able to convey that passion through an application, and if you're able to show that this is an idea that's new, innovative, and takes a new stance on something, that is really the key into becoming a TED speaker. Mm-hmm. So I think it really comes down to not how you fill out your application or not all those nitpicky nuances, but really in the core and in your heart, can you show that you have a passion and can you show that that passion takes a new perspective on an issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you didn't really understand the entire guest speaking process until you started Ex Youth at Berwyn. So what's your role in that and how did you get that started? Yeah, so I'm the founder and lead organizer for TEDx Youth at Berwyn. Um, I got TEDx Youth at Berwyn started 
about a year ago, and it honestly happened after I got rejected to speak from TEDx Philadelphia. So Mm. I was just moving and once again, trying to find my voice and find who I was. And I had given the social media, I had the social media idea that I wanted to give at TEDx Toga, but I was like, okay, let me try to expand myself and see if I can give it on an even bigger platform. Right. So I applied to be a speaker at TEDx Philadelphia and got rejected. And mm-hmm. I used that in a way where I was like, okay, this is a rejection, but how can I use this to still grow and still, you know, find my love for the TEDx stage? And so after being rejected, I kind of went and started exploring the TED website and saw that, hey, I can start a TEDx organization. And that kind of instilled this desire within me that, okay, I'm going to make this a reality. Like I may have gotten rejected to speak from here, but I know I have a voice and I know that I want to use that voice to inspire others. So that's how the idea of TEDx Youth at Berwyn started. And from there, it was honestly just about putting together a team and really just growing that from an idea to a reality. Yeah. You know, I heard this quote the other day. It said, uh, you never lose you just win or grow. And I think that mm-hmm. completely resonates with your experience. If it weren't for your rejection, I don't think you would have been here today Yeah, uh, starting your own TEDx license. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's so important. That's what I always try to tell people is like, don't take a rejection as a rejection. Mm-hmm. It may be a rejection, but everything you do can open up an opportunity and can open up a door into something new. So you may have gotten rejected mm-hmm. from one thing, but really try to see, okay, what opportunities did this open up for me? Or where can I use this to get what I want in the end? And so that, that's mm-hmm. a huge part about doing things is don't be afraid to apply to something. Don't be afraid because you think you don't have the credentials or you think, oh, I'm not good enough for this or they may not want me because I'm young or I'm just a teenager. But really take it as an opportunity to apply no matter where you stand and really say, okay, even if I didn't get it, how can I grow upon this? And what mm-hmm. has this provided me in the end? Yeah. So how many people are on your team? Yeah. So there are five of us total that are all in high school right now. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned that you feel strongly about uh, female empowerment. So how many uh, females are on your team? Yeah. So four out of the five of us are actually female. So we are a primarily Uh, female run team. Yeah, it's great. I think that's amazing, especially today. I know that many TEDx organizations are leaded by primarily male people. And um, I think it's great that you're breaking that barrier and really pushing for more females in this industry and entrepreneurship in general. Yeah, for sure. I think it was so important for me just to be like, okay, how do I combine my passion for female entrepreneurship and female empowerment with this? And I thought the best way to do that was really just to create a team of primarily females to show that, hey, a primarily female and youth-run team can really make Mm -hmm. a difference in this world because I think being female and only being 16 years old has often worked against us or people see that as something as a barrier to our organization. But I really tried to show that that's not a barrier that instead gives us this amazing and unique new perspective that I think can grow TEDx as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what resources did you use to start TEDx Youth at Berwyn? Yeah. So there was, I think the biggest hurdle I, our whole team encountered was finding Mm -hmm. how to transition from that idea that we have to this reality of actually creating annual conferences and bringing in people. So the resources really came from like mentors and people that have done it before. So we started reaching out to people and we're like, hey, how have you done this before? Hey, can you give us some guidance? Because although we saw the empowerment part of the youth 
initiative and how we were only Mm -hmm. 16, we also realized that there are people that are older than us and people that are much more experienced than us. And it's really worth our time to reach out to those people and to get guidance from them. So the resources Mm -hmm. really came from TED itself, which was able to guide us in an amazing way, but also from just creating connections and networking with people who have done it before. And that was such a vital part of us being able to get ourselves off the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think reaching out and making those connections is really important. And I think we underestimate the amount of uh, willingness people have to Mm -hmm. help. You know, I always assume, especially before reaching out to others, they probably won't respond. They probably don't care. They don't care about another 15-year-old just like hanging out, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there are so many people who actually are there to be mentors and are willing to do so. Um, And I think that's so important to keep in mind. Don't be discouraged by one email left unread. You know, keep reaching out and one person is definitely going to respond. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also so important to realize that, yeah, people may leave you unread, but there's so many people out there that can help you. Mm-hmm. So don't just reach out to one person, reach, like reach out to 10 people, reach out to 20 people. Yeah. Because reaching out doesn't show that, oh, I'm really trying to bother someone or, yeah, people have this kind of notion that if you reach out to someone that's older than you or someone that's more experienced than you, that you're just going to bother them or they're going to mm-hmm. think that you're a waste of their time. But in reality, I think, as you were saying, there are so many people that want to help you. Yeah. And you reaching out and initiating that contact also shows that you as a person are ready to kind of grow and you're ready to mm-hmm. learn from other people. So it's such an amazing experience to be able to find people who are willing to be your mentors and to grow from them. Yeah. I'm just curious, what was the response like when you were contacting uh, TED organizers? Did any of them leave you unread or... Like, what was that process like? Yeah, there were a lot that left us unread. I mean, we reached out to so many organizations Mm -hmm. and there were a lot that left us unread. And it was hard in the moment to see that people may not share your vision or people may not see what you as an organization can bring to the world or can bring to your community. But once again, I think it's all about that resilience and it's about, okay, people left us unread, but here's the one or two people that did respond. And it's about focusing on those people that said yes, rather than kind of hanging back and thinking on the people that said no, because even if one person says yes, you can use that one person and you guys can help each Mm -hmm. other and grow. So while a ton of people left us on red, it was, I think it was really important for us as a team to move past that and to focus on the people that were saying yes to us and to focus on the fact that they saw potential Mm -hmm. in us and to use that and learn and grow from them. Yeah, I completely resonate with that. Um... You know, I've been left unread many times, but those one or two people who have responded have opened up so many opportunities and invited so many new ideas that I previously wouldn't have thought of uh, without their help. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. So what was the process of getting a TEDx organization license? How does that work? Yeah, so getting a license for TED is definitely a long process, but it's a really fun process Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time. So there's this huge application that you fill out from TED that essentially goes over what are your goals as an organization, where are you located, how many events do you want to have, and it basically requires you to figure out all of these logistics before you can apply. Mm -hmm. And what's great about that is especially for new organizers, I think you can easily fall into the trap of like winging it and doing stuff day by day as an organization and not taking the time to plan out what your long-term goals are 
But the licensing process at TED really makes sure that you have a long-term vision and that you have the resources to make that long-term vision a reality. So getting that license is all about showing in your application that you have the tools and resources to actually hold events. Mm -hmm. So in the end, you take about a few months to fill out that licensing process. You take a few months to fill out who are my team members, where am I going to hold my events, how many people do I want at the events, right down to honestly every detail they could possibly ask you. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's such a great way to just really be sure that you have a vision and be sure that you're clear on what you want to do as an organization. Mm -hmm. So while I think the license was for them, it was also such a great learning experience for us as a team because it really gave us the opportunity to sit down and as an Mm -hmm. organization plan out what are our missions, what are our values, what are our goals. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you just wait for the response and you hopefully see that Ted sees potential in you. And from there, you can start actually building your event once you get that yes. That's amazing. So speaking of events, this past March, you were one of the primary organizers of the TEDx Youth Conference in Chester County. So what were your responsibilities as an organizer of the conference and what obstacles did you face? Yeah, so from TEDx Youth at Berwyn, we were going to hold a conference in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was my team and I's project from for the past year. We had worked so hard to get sponsors. We had worked incredibly hard to get speakers and to find attendees and everything. And we were ready by March. There were so many obstacles that we faced along the way and so many different things that came in our way at at that point. But after a year, we were ready to hold that conference in March at our school. And then COVID-19 came in about a week before our conference. It shut down our school. Gosh. Yeah. So we were seven days away from that event and all of a sudden our school shut down. Mm for a few weeks and we weren't able to hold the conference. And that was, I think, just such not only a sad moment for our team, but a moment of realization that we had worked so hard for something that may not even happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was honestly our experience holding, trying to hold that event in March. But I think if anything, that has once again shown us that no matter what you do at TED, your goal is to empower a community and your Mm -hmm. goal is to lift up a community So even if you can't hold a physical event, even if something got canceled, it's still your job as an organization to be there for your community, which is why we ended up pivoting to provide PPE for organizations. So we, our event got canceled. We kind of were sad for a few days and we were like, all right, let's pick ourselves back up and see what is the goal of TED. And the goal of TED is to empower. Mm -hmm. And even if we can't do that through a physical event, there are so many other issues, so many prevalent issues happening right now. And one of those during that time was the PPE shortages that were happening in healthcare facilities. So our team decided to partner with other nonprofits nationwide Mm -hmm. and come together to hopefully provide PPE and to help slow the spread of COVID-19 in our own community if we couldn't hold an event and inspire people through speeches. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine how frustrating it must have been to have a whole conference planned out and then have it canceled. But I think it's amazing that you guys were able to pivot quickly and really use uh, your platform for social good. And I think that's really important for many organizations to um, use this time to reflect and to give back to their community. Yeah, for sure. I think being at home and being limited in what you can do has honestly been a blessing to many organizations because we're all moving so fast every day. Mm-hmm. You know, we get up, we go to school, especially for young entrepreneurs who have organizations. You get up, you go to school, 
you're studying for the SAT, you're doing sports or whatever you're doing, and you're moving at such a fast pace Mm -hmm. that you tend to move your organization at that fast pace as well. So you're always looking for what's there to do next. You're always looking for how to grow yourself, but kind of putting a stop for those opportunities has let all of us take the time back and reflect like, what is our mission? You know, what is our purpose at the core and how can we do that? How can we continue to fulfill that purpose, even if we're not doing exactly what we thought we were going to do? So even though we're not holding conferences like we had hoped, what are other ways that we can kind of fulfill that core purpose that we have? Yeah. So I'm sure you had the conference fully organized before COVID-19 mm-hmm. really hit. So behind the scenes, what goes into organizing conferences like these? Yeah, that's such a good question because when we applied for our license, that was something we honestly had to learn as well. Mm -hmm. So it was such a cool experience getting to learn what it's like to organize a conference. And there are so many different components that go into it. I think if nothing, at the end of this journey, I just have such a respect for event planners (laughs) because there's so much that goes into creating a conference. So it's down to everything from sponsorship to catering to the balloons that you want to put out on the final day. So I think in creating the conference, we really identified that money was a huge factor. Mm -hmm. Um, No matter what you do, you need the funding to do it. And I think that was one of our biggest challenges at the very beginning was getting that funding. Um, But beyond that, there's so many different things. Like you need to find a venue. You need to be able to get decorations. You need to be able to find caterers, to find speakers, to find attendees. You need to be able to market your talk. And all of those things are things that people go to school for and people learn how to do. And so us trying to do that as youth was an incre- was just a really big challenge because not only did we not have funding at our disposal or not only did we not have investors ready to kind of lay out their money for us, yeah. but we also didn't have that experience in calling caterers and calling event planners and asking, hey, you know, how do we get food delivered to our school for an event or how do we, or- how do we order balloons but then get no tax on it? So there are so many little things that everything comes down to. And I think that was definitely one of our biggest challenges was being able to navigate that process Mm -hmm. as youth who had done nothing similar to that before. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just all a learning process and Mm -hmm. all of us, whether you're a CEO or young, a teenager, we're all just learning. And I feel like that imposter syndrome is really real. Yeah, for sure. I think that it became very apparent in our organization as well that it's so easy to compare yourself to what other TEDx organizations are doing or to what other people are doing in general, because I see so many adults that pull off so like such amazing conferences and they do all these things, but it's so important to like remind yourself whether you run an organization or you're part of an organization or you just are, you know, living life as a teenager that you do you and you do you in the best way that you can, but there, it doesn't help you in any way to go compare yourself to other people It's about using your experiences to better yourself as a person. And it's about realizing that while I may not be doing what someone else is doing, my experiences shape me as a person and they really help me grow. And that in the end is what's most important. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So would you say that funding was the biggest challenge for you along the way or was it something else? Yeah, I think for sure funding was our biggest challenge. And I think it, mm. it comes back down to the fact that we were 16-year-old kids asking people for money. And it was just so important for us to be able to show that we are more than kids trying to pull together something for college applications, is that we are really trying to make a difference in this world. 
and we have a plan to make a difference. So getting funding was a really complicated process, I think. Um, in the end, we actually ended up going in, like walking right into people's offices and just mm-hmm. saying, hi, this is who we are. And we'd give them a packet about who we were and ask, would you be able to fund us? And it was such a cool experience being able to like literally walk into car dealerships without an appointment and just say, hey, can we talk to the manager? Mm-hmm. And taking that leap as an individual. And it was extremely nerve wracking at first. Yeah. Because you're so conscious of how a company CEO or a company's general manager might come out and perceive you mm-hmm. as just a kid walking into their store. Um, but it was so cool to see that there were some people that told us, to, told us to get out. They were like, leave my office. Why are you here? And they like literally threw us out of their office. But there were other people that took us in and let us take time and sit down with them to really mm-hmm. show us who they were. And through that process, we were able, as we were able to show people that we are more than just 16 year old kids. And as yeah. we were able to give them our plan and show them our timeline, it was really cool to be able to see people's perceptions change and to see that there are so many kids in the community that have the potential to make that difference. Yeah. I think it's crazy that people were throwing you out of their offices, but yeah. you know, that is the reality. And you know, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. So mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah. did you guys have enough funding to uh, start the conference? Yeah, so we did. In the end, we ended up getting enough funding, which was a really mm. big deal for us to be able to get professional videographers in there and to be able to yeah. rent out a venue and stuff. And so it was really cool to see the people that did believe in us. And it was cool to see how their money was able to create such an amazing event. And so right. yeah, it was really great to kind of see, okay, we got kicked out of a few places. But in the end, they were people that believed in us. And it was because of them that we were able to do something this big. Yeah. So what's your process of finding guest speakers? Because I know that it's a huge component of hosting conferences and TED Talks in general. Yeah. So the guest speaker process was a really cool process because what we ended up doing was posting applications through different companies and reaching out to other people. Mm-hmm. I think being this being our first conference, we had to prove to our we had to prove to people that wanted to apply that this was a conference that would be professional and it would be big. And so that was our first step in finding speakers, was just establishing ourselves first. Yeah. Um, and then from there, after getting a lot of applications, we really sat down and said, TED is all about spreading diverse ideas. So we didn't want eight people talking about entrepreneurship or eight people talking about climate change. What we wanted yeah. to find people from all different backgrounds, from all different ethnicities, from all different ages and experiences to try to create this really holistic approach and really this roundabout approach that tries to target as many issues as we can in the three hours we have in a conference because Mm -hmm. our theme was pushing forward. So Mm -hmm. we had this overarching theme for our conference, but within that theme, our goal was to say, how can we put in as many diverse perspectives that all relate back to this huge theme of pushing forward? So through that, we were able to find speakers that were anywhere from 30, 40 years old, all the way down to 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And it was such a cool experience to be able to find a range of speakers and to be able to find people that had diverse viewpoints. So we ended up having like one person that's going to speak about climate change, a few people on entrepreneurship, education, activism, motivation, courage. And so it's really cool to create this really roundabout approach, but have each of those unique and independent ideas relate back to our main theme of pushing forward Mm -hmm. that's amazing 
So how did you deal with burnout and overworking as you were working on this conference or just organizing TEDx youth at Berwyn in general? Yeah, that's such a huge part of it. Um, I think it's so important to have a team. That was honestly what helped me through it, Mm -hmm. was understanding that I wasn't alone in this and I had some amazing people around me as team members to help me work through it. And it's so important to realize as youth organizers, as an ambitious youth for anyone that's listening as well, Mm -hmm. that you have to be able to balance your time and understand that you may want to do so much, but you can't do all that if mentally you're burned out or if mentally you feel like everything is piling on really quickly and you can't Mm -hmm. do it. So while we had a short timeline to create this conference, I think it was also important for us as a team to sit down and really plan out our time. So whether that was creating just a simple Google calendar Mm -hmm. or whether that was making sure everyone knew their roles really well so that we could all delegate work and we could all say, okay, this is the amount of time we can spend on this and we can't do more. And cutting ourselves off at those time limits was so important because if I think anyone that creates a conference or anyone that has an idea or organization in general can tell you that you can keep going. Like if you were to spend all night on something, I can keep going because there's always something to be done and there's Mm -hmm. always more that can be done. So it's really important to just kind of create those cutoffs for yourself and to have people around you like team members that can help you really be aware of those cutoffs and who can stop you if you don't end up stopping yourself there. Yeah, I completely agree with that. In regards to burnout, I think it's really about finding like what you love and what you're passionate Mm -hmm. about because at the end of the day, if you don't love what you're doing, you're likely not going to want to pursue it or like continue it. And if this is a long-term project, like you can't just leave it in the dust yeah. at some point. And it's so important to find something that you enjoy doing because there are going to be those sleepless nights, but it makes it all worth it in the end. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so going back to what you said, it's so important to find what you love And sometimes you can't find what you love until you do something and don't love it. And that's okay. And it's about knowing, okay, how do I end that there and move on to something else? Mm -hmm. But it's about taking those opportunities and never saying no to an opportunity and just being able to say, okay, I haven't found what I love, but I can't find that unless I fully immerse myself in things. Right. And being able to take that leap and to immerse yourself in something, knowing that, okay, I may not like this or knowing this may not be my thing is also so important to like in, to find that journey of who I want to be, what I want to do when I grow up, or what do I want to do now even. Right, yeah. So I know that COVID-19 has heavily affected your plans, especially for your TEDx conference, but you also mentioned that you're having a virtual discussion series, so tell me more about that. Yeah, so once COVID-19 hit, we, as I said before, we kind of pivoted to try to help deliver PPE and just raise awareness for the issues happening in our community during COVID-19. But at some point, we also wanted to kind of come back to what TED does, which is deliver conferences. And because of that, I think we decided, okay, we can't hold an event in person, but what we can do is we can bring the TED experience to people's homes. And so we started holding virtual discussion series every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on our Instagram Live, where we bring in our speakers as well as members from the outside community to give short 30-minute discussions with us and to just talk with us about what they do, what, what they're passionate about. Right. And so we bring in people from entrepreneurs, we bring in people in education activism, we bring in 
doctors who are working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic to hopefully inspire people, as we were talking about before, to inspire people to find what they're passionate about. So our goal was if we can bring in a bunch of people from different backgrounds, from different jobs, and we can get a youth audience to listen to these people, maybe we can help someone find what they want to do. Or maybe someone can be inspired by one of these speakers' journeys and be motivated and inspired enough to start on a similar journey themselves. Yeah. So our goal of this virtual discussion series was really just to bring forward diverse perspectives and the TED experience to people through their homes, but also to go beyond the TED experience and to hopefully show people that, hey, these are some mentors in our community. These are some mm-hmm. people that are that have done some really amazing and cool things themselves. And if you are inspired by their story, then it's worth reaching out yourself. And trying to create that bridge between mentors and youth was mm-hmm. also such an important part of this series. You mentioned that you guys are having Instagram Lives for your virtual discussion mm-hmm. series. So what is your Instagram at for anyone interested in checking it out? Yeah, so we're just at TEDxYouthBerlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anyone that's interested, every Friday, um, or sorry, every Wednesday at 5 p.m., we have discussion series. And I think it's a really amazing opportunity for people to join, whether you don't know what you want to do yet or whether you do have an idea of what you want to do. It's just a great opportunity to listen to new perspectives and to hopefully use those new perspectives that people bring to motivate yourself and to use them to grow yourself as a person as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, their Instagram will be linked down below in the description. So if you're if you guys are interested, make sure to check them out. Is there anything you're looking forward to in terms of projects or initiatives you are planning for the future? Yeah. So even though, as I was saying, we did COVID, we helped in COVID nineteen, we did this virtual discussions. Mm-hmm. We were still kind of left with that pain of having to cancel our big conference. Yeah. Um, so what we are doing is we are actually making our whole conference virtual. Mm-hmm. So the same speakers that were going to come in in March and the same events that we were going to have in March are now going to be held virtually on September 26th. Mm-hmm. So if you go to TEDxYouthForWin.org, we have tickets available for that conference right now. Um, so that's our biggest project right now is just taking that conference that we were supposed to do in March and making it virtual. And that's such a cool process because all of us thought that we would have to kind of abandon that conference forever and that we wouldn't be able to hold it. But it's so cool to see that, okay, no, we can really do this and we can still deliver that conference that we were so excited to share with people before. Yeah, I think that's amazing. If any of you guys are interested, definitely make sure to go check it out. Make sure to get your tickets. So how can others join your initiative or start a TEDx location for themselves? Yeah, so I think the best way to get involved in TEDx Mm -hmm. is honestly to create your own TEDx chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, You can can go to TED.com and there are instructions for you there on how to get started. Um, But even if you're not someone that wants to take that leap yet or that wants to create their own organization, there's so many ways to get involved with TED as a whole. So whether that be with TEDx Youth App or Win, where you can apply to be a guest speaker on our TEDx Today series, which is our Mm -hmm. virtual discussion series, or whether that be volunteering at conferences or volunteering to help film something for virtual conferences. There are so many different ways that you can help TED in general. Um, You can apply to be a guest speaker, which is an amazing opportunity Mm -hmm. for you to get on a stage and share your ideas. But it's all about reaching out, as we were talking about before, is if you want to help or want to get involved, if you don't see an opportunity that fits you right away, email Mm -hmm. someone or call someone or DM someone Mm -hmm. and see, hey, these are my passions and how can I help? And right. I know we at TEDxYouth at Berwin are always looking for people to help. 
So if you don't see an opportunity on our website or anywhere that you think you can fit, it's so we're so open to getting an email from someone and really letting them join the team and letting them join our process. But TED in general is such an open community. So for Mm -hmm. anyone that lives anywhere around the world, you can either start an organization for TED or you can just reach out and see because there's so many different ways that you can help organizations during their conferences. Yeah, definitely. So at the end of the day, what is the main goal for TEDx Youth at Berwyn? Yeah, at the end of the day, our goal is just to inspire and empower youth to be leaders of change and innovation. So whether that be in local issues or global issues, mm-hmm. we want to show people that you have a voice and that voice is so important to bettering the community. I think we all have in a responsibility that if we live as in a community, we ha- really have an obligation to better that community. And if we see something wrong, we need to speak up and find a way to make that right. So TED is all about hopefully inspiring youth through other people's experiences and through other people's opportunities to give them opportunities and to open doors for youth, for people that are really motivated to make a change in the community, but maybe mm-hmm. don't know how to make that change yet. So our goal is to really kind of create that bridge and lessen that gap between people's motivation and their ability to create a tangible impact in the community. Yeah, I think our voices are so powerful and using our voices to speak up for those who can't is the first step to change. And I think that it's amazing that TEDx Youth at Berwyn is giving people that opportunity to really advocate for people who can't. Yeah, for sure. I think that's such an important part. Um, And especially going back to what you said on people like who can't advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's so important to be like, if you as a person can advocate for something, it's so important to get other people to join you. And I think because we have so much more power as a group than we do as individuals, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, honestly, one of the first reasons I created TEDx Youth at Berwyn is because when I moved here, I saw so many people with individual talent and so many mm-hmm. people that by themselves had such so many amazing ideas and opportunities. But I was like, why has no one put these ideas together yet? Why right. has no one created something where everyone can come together and harness that individual potential they have to better the community? So I think it's so important that if you can't advocate for yourself or if you're someone who sees someone that can't advocate for yourself, is to include as many people as you can in your initiatives. Mm-hmm. Because the, honestly, the more people you have, the bigger impact you can make. Definitely. You also mentioned that STEM and entrepreneurship are fields that you're passionate about. So how has STEM and entrepreneurship played a role in starting and building TEDx Youth at Berwyn? Yeah, so I think both of those, especially entrepreneurship, built me as a person before it built TEDx Youth at Berwyn because Mm -hmm. I remember I was growing up and like in first grade, I wanted to create a clothing store because I love Justice Clothes at that point. (laughs) And in second grade, I wanted to create Um, a hair salon. I wanted to open up my own hair salon. And then I remember third grade, I saw a dog on a billboard and decided I wanted to create an insurance company for pets. Um, And so I grew up with all these weird ideas at some points, but just ideas of things I wanted to do myself. Mm -hmm. But when someone asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I always said, oh, I wanted to, oh, I wanted to like work in clothing or I wanted to be a hairstylist or I wanted to be an insurance agent. But never did I realize that I didn't actually want to be the insurance agent. I wanted to be the person that created something. And that Mm -hmm. person was called an entrepreneur, but I just didn't know that term at a young age. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't exposed to the world of entrepreneurship at a young age. And so 
kind of after moving and seeing that, oh my gosh, I haven't wanted to be an insurance. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to create things was so cool to kind of finally put a name to what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then that really, that motivation kind of led me to incorporate entrepreneurship in TEDx Youth at Berwyn because yeah. I saw that it was such an, such a vital part of me finding out who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people are in similar boats where when someone asks them what they want to do in life, they can't really give that answer to people. Or when someone asks, what do you want to be when you grow up? They don't really have that answer. And I think for so many young females, that answer may be entrepreneurship or that answer may be STEM. And they just haven't been exposed to that yet. So I was really mm-hmm. hoping that in the ways that Pennsylvania kind of exposed me to entrepreneurship, I'm hoping TEDx Youth at Berwyn can expose other individuals and especially mm-hmm. young females to the world of STEM and entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I think especially with the gender gap that is so prevalent, especially in STEM and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. it is more important than ever to expose uh, girls to these fields and encourage them to be part of the community and tell them that they are welcome. It's an inclusive space. Yeah, and I think that's also such a huge reason that we were hoping to create um, a mostly female-run team Mm -hmm. But to create a really inviting space for people, because I know from personal experience, it can be daunting Mm -hmm. when you go into something and it's dominated by males in the field, or you want to enter a field that you have been told isn't for you. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to like, the first step is to create that open space and that open environment that Mm -hmm. people can come into, because I think really giving youth and really giving young females that push to say, hey, you're welcome here, can then lead to hopefully just a cascade of positive opportunities for them and can really give them that little push that they need to get started on their journey. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. So that just about concludes our podcast for today. Thank you, Unity, for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think what you're doing especially is so important. And I love the way that this podcast is empowering females Mm -hmm. and hopefully spreading the message of positivity and allowing people to make change. Thank you to our listeners for listening to today's podcast. Make sure to follow She the Change on Instagram at She the Change Pod.